Hey there, welcome to the show. So I hope everybody is getting prepared for the season. You know what? Sure feels like it. Yeah, we're getting closer to the holiday season. Everybody's thinking about, you know, taking some time off. The funny thing is, is that real estate this year has really not taken the time off at all. And I got a lot to talk about today. You know, I'm going to give you just, you know, a little bit of a breakdown on where I see the market going in 2022 and also I've got some great guests that are going to be joining me this hour. I've got Dave Butler from BM Select. Always great having him on the show. Regular guest here. We're going to talk about interest rates and just what's going on in the world of mortgages. And later in the hour, I've got Dave Wilkes joining me. He's president and CEO of Build. That is the Building Industry and Land Development Association. Um, Dave's also been a guest on my show throughout the years. And I do want to talk to him about what is happening with you know, a lot of the construction around the GTA, what we can expect, you know, what kind of population are we going to have to house in the future? Because these are the things that we need to think of today. You don't think of it when you have nowhere to live. You try to think about it in the future and uh, let's find out what that number looks like. So, you know, great show plan for you. And of course, as most of you that join me each week, you know, I kind of have a little bit of a rant that gets me started and revved up uh, here on Sunday afternoons. And, you know, there's just a couple of topics that keep, I keep my eye on and I want to just give everybody a breakdown. But before I go down that path, just so you know, if you haven't figured out what your New Year's resolution is, maybe you want to join me on Thursday, January the 6th. Uh, that is at 7 p.m. It is for my Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar I'm going to talk about the 2022 market, what we can expect in investment real estate as well. Uh, special surprise. We've got a new release coming. Only going to find out about it that evening. And you can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. And of course, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at thesimpleinvestor1. Um, I do just want to give everybody just a quick heads up. We did close on our new head office. We're really excited about it. We're putting all our brands underneath one roof. And uh, so we're going to be doing a little bit of renos. And uh, so in the spring, we're moving in. And I'm really excited about it. Um, and it's where we're going to be doing a lot of our webinars. We're actually putting in our own full, full studio as well as a uh, seminar room. Hopefully we can bring them back in 2022. So all sorts of things that are going to be exciting. And, you know, hopefully I can keep you up to date as we go along and as things evolve. But talking about evolution, wow, what a year in real estate. You know, we've watched prices surge. We've seen few markets, you know, suffer. We've watched interest rates just stay at historic lows. Now a little bit of the upward trend of threatening by the Bank of Canada. It's like, got to control inflation. Let's change interest rates. Yep, coming April, probably. That's what the that's what the experts are saying. That's what Bank of Canada is indicating. We're going to see some upward pressure on those interest rates. But the experts are also saying that they're not going to jump through the roof. And I just don't want anybody thinking that the sky is going to fall you know, I use that expression all the time because when we started off with the pandemic, everybody's saying this guy's going to fall, real estate's going to fall apart. Guess what? Everybody has to live somewhere. And that's the one thing we've established for the last two years for sure. And that's one of the reasons why I think that we have seen more real estate purchasing done is because people know that you need to have a roof over your head. One that's maybe a little bit more special to you and your family or meet your needs. But of course, looking at the investment world, more and more tenants coming out of the woods that we need to house. So if we talk about the big number, and this is what I'm leading up to, we're taking a look at Canada has 
trillion, that's not a B, that's a TR in front of that alien, in residential real estate, nearly half of it is in Ontario. Wow. So $3 trillion worth of ownership of real estate here in Ontario. You know, that's a pretty big number because that's residential, folks. We're not talking about the big landlords that own all the big buildings out there. We're just talking about, you know, you and I, this individual people that are going to own a house or maybe a investment property. Well, $3 trillion in Ontario. And again, big, big number. So what does that mean to the future? Are we weighted too heavily in real estate? You know, is it going to change the economy? Are we going to see an adjustment? I mean, the word bubble keeps coming into play. And I am going to talk about that with Dave Butler. But just so you know, there's there's two marketplaces that they're saying are bubble in, in Canada right now. Um, other than that, they're not saying that, you know, we're really seeing, you know, we've got hot markets, but people aren't screaming the word the B, B word around as much. And so I think if we take a look at the big picture, moving into the future, I think that we need to establish the fact that real estate is going to stay strong. You know, uh, one of the big campaign promises through the federal election, of course, was the fact that federal government was saying, oh, we're going to build all sorts of properties. Well, the provincial government's now saying, well, we got to get rid of this red tape. Hi, have you not been listening to my show for the last 10 years? I mean, come on, we've been talking about inventory and red tape forever. And I'm hoping whoever wins the election, if it's the existing government, new government, you know, if you're promising to do something with red tape, do something, go wrap a present with it, you know, but get it out of the way of the developers because the inventory problem's only going to keep going up. And this is the thing. This is why we're going to announce the fact that in 2022, guess what's going to happen? Prices in real estate are going to continue strong and go up. In fact, the experts are saying between 8 and 10%. You know, if you thought that we were at the max, we're not. And if we had more inventory, guess what would happen? That number's not going to go up at the same pace. So how do we solve this? You know, can we rely on the government? Can somebody actually do what they're promising? You know, red tape is one of these things that the longer they keep things in that from developing, the more we have red tape, the chances are you're getting to increase development charges. Then we've got lending costs and everything. So what ends up happening, it puts pressure on the prices. And this is why we're getting to the point where we're seeing massive prices, even on the smallest of properties. So is there going to be a solution? You know, it was interesting because I was listening to a, a different radio show uh, a little while ago, and they mentioned they've got a solution to it. They thought, you know, putting people in the matrix. So basically, you know, take your parents, throw them in a little pod, throw them in a basement and make it into an imaginary life. Um, I, I only thought it was comical because they kept saying, we have the solution to the real estate problem. And, you know, it's obviously far-fetched and I'm sure mom and dad aren't going to be thrilled if you threw them into a little pod and, you know, had the imaginary life. But where is the solution? You know, I would love to say I have it, but I don't. You know, I do know that we need, you know, more properties built. I think that we're going to have problems getting contractors and construction getting done. I think we're going to have a problem with supply. So how are we going to solve this problem? Well, it's not nearly as solvable as we would hope. And I was on with Jerry Agar and we were talking about laneway housing. And the one thing about laneway housing was the fact that, you know, Toronto thought if we allow laneway housing, we're going to be able to increase our inventory exponentially in no time. The truth be told is that most people have no idea how to get somebody 
to actually build the laneway house uh, in the back or get the renovations done. We've got contractors that are charging premiums because they are busy. They can't get material. So, you know, was that even a solution? You know, again, I think it's just pandering to certain people. And ultimately, you could never build enough laneway houses to solve the issue. You know, can we create a 3% vacancy in residential properties in Toronto? Almost impossible. You know, the amount of properties that it would require to be built to match, to get it lower, you know, to or, or get to a 3% vacancy. I mean, we're basically hovering around one to zero right now. And if, if we wanted to create that many properties, there's got to be a different tact. And again, I, I can't tell you that I have all the answers or solutions for that matter, but I do think that there is one out there, you know, taking some of the government's housing, some of the commercial stuff, easy reno, you know, take a look at some of these empty government buildings. Tell you what, create residential properties out of them. I've been talking about this for years. It's a no brainer. You already have the facade, you're sitting on the the pad, you've got the area. You know what, doing a renovation is a lot quicker than it build brand new construction. So. There are some solutions. We just have to be more open-minded about it. As I'd mentioned before in the show, numerous times I've talked about, you know, working with the basement apartments, getting it easier. And, you know, I had somebody that wanted to take me to task on that. And, you know, they called me up and said, Hey Todd, you know, not everybody can turn around and put a $50,000 renovation into a basement to create a basement apartment. You're right. But what if the government turned around and gave you a forgivable loan for it? What if the government created a program? that allowed people to hire the right, you know, contractors, the, get the right permits done, and they turn around and created a, oh, I don't know, a 10-year forgivable loan. They do it in other avenues. Why not turn around and say, look, if you can create some affordable housing or something that's in within the realm, then we're going to give you a forgivable loan for the next 10 years. Why not do that? You know what? There are ways that it can be done. It's just we've got to think outside the box And yeah, you know what? A lot of people keep saying boxes. How about, you know, container housing, things like that? Sure, where are you gonna put it? So there will be solutions, but we've got a whole lot of real estate right now that I think that can be better used. We can create that duplex, triplex, you know, out of some of these properties. No, I don't want mom and dad to be the ones that have to worry about the tenant downstairs, but there are solutions that can be made. And I think if everybody puts their head together, get the right politicians in place to actually make something happen. And like I said, forgivable loans, why not? Make it interest-free. Make it easier for people to create this. And I guarantee you, we will solve some of these issues. The red tape is always going to be an issue. No matter what, municipalities are in control. And if they don't want it built, then you know what? Some of these uh, builders will get stymied. So that's kind of my overall impression on what's going on. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, 2022 is going to be a decent year in the world of real estate. Even with interest rates, some pressure going there, I think we will see some decent increases. And again, I'm not a fan of double digit. I'm happy in the single digit range if we can do it. Um, As I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, coming up on Thursday, the January the 6th at 7 p.m., I've got my Simple Real Estate Investment webinar. I'm going to make a major announcement for a new release that night. only way you're going to find out about it is if you do join us during the webinar and you can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. Uh, lots going on. And of course, if you want to follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one But as I had mentioned, coming up after the break, I've got Dave Butler from BM Select joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. As promised, my next guest, no stranger to the show, Dave Butler from BM Select. And welcome back, Dave. Thank you very much, Todd. Pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure having you on the show. So let's get into it. You know, here we are. We're coming into the holiday season. You know, there's the pressure that's being indicated that we're going to see a little bit of an interest rate hike. But I got to tell you, it seems like there's still a lot of, you know, gas in the tank in real estate. In fact, saw a report that said that we could be looking at a 10% increase next year in prices, even with an increase in interest rates. Maybe you can tell us, what are you hearing and, and how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the past. I mean, we have a supply demand issue here, uh, particularly a supply issue um, with the uh, rates where they currently are at. It is effectively like kindling, uh, throwing kindling onto a fire. Um, even if you were to raise rates, uh, even the slightest bit, a couple quarter percent increases, let's say by the Bank of Canada, maybe fixed rates go up another half a point. I think most smart analysts would say that you still have quite a bit of that fire left to go. Um, that's certainly not going to uh, extinguish a fire of the size that we are currently sitting at. So again, I think, you know, and you've touched on this a lot in, in a lot of your shows is it's a supply issue. Um, the government has, it's gotten to the point where the most intense um, kind of jump that they could see here uh, would be to try to limit mortgage policies. Um, but I think they realize that that's not going to do much at this point. You know, Dave, I'm glad you brought up the government because quite frankly, I think they're a whirling dervish. And, you know, big, <laughs> big picture stuff. We're coming into an election and we start hearing promises that are, you know, being put out there like we saw the federal election, was, which was an absolute disaster, in my opinion. You know, everybody wants to follow up and, and they do they do believe that the government should be bailing people out where it's, you know, the biggest thing the government right now, provincial government is saying that they're going to take a hard look at, you know, red tape. And it's interesting because there was a development up in Barrie that the developer came back to everybody and said, listen, unless you give me a hundred grand more, you know, I'm killing your deal. And unfortunately for most people, they're not aware that when you're dealing with brand new builds, that there's a lot of ways out for the actual builder themselves. So of course the, the premier, he jumped up and saying, this isn't fair. I'm going to go after these guys. The problem is that the paper says that they can cancel. So, you know, he, he basically said, my costs are going to be X. They've gone through the roof. There's been delays. There's been red tape. You know, I'm not surprised that somebody has done this. And I'm not going to be surprised if there's more developers that are going to do this in the future because the red tape is being prohibitive. We can't get enough inventory into the marketplace. But then now we've got a government that wants to sit there and say, bad builder, you better build it for what you, you want to build, what you should build it for. But they're not giving the people the actual runway to build it because they tie their hands and say, look it, when we're ready to give you the, the, the permits, we're going to let it happen. And now all of a sudden, now we have no inventory. Exasperating the supply issue. Exactly what we're talking about. I mean, and I think, you know, we, this has been, you know, how many years have we been talking about the fact that the government needs to stop focusing on a lot of things we're focusing on and actually look at the real problem, which is how do we make things easier for builders to come in and provide us with the supply we need for to match the demand until we hit that equilibrium of supply demand we are going to struggle and continue to see uh struggles in terms of canadians and affordability with canadian housing 
So speaking of affordability, I just thought I'd throw this out there. Canada has $6.1 trillion in residential real estate. About half of that is in Ontario. I, I'm really hoping that uh, most of these people called BM Select for mortgages. Can you tell me? Is that is that is, is can we can we start spreading that rumor that you could have you know a, a trillion in mortgages, Dave? <laughs> I think uh, I think we're definitely it's the new number. You used to shoot for a billion. Now I think the next the next target is a trillion. But um, yeah, I know you know what. It's been interesting. I I looked at our. Uh, November numbers. We just got our report yesterday. My team and I went over it. Um, closings are still at all, you know, at very, very highs. I wouldn't say all time high, but our our largest closing month was uh, of the year was actually in October. Uh, certainly, thanks a lot to Simple Investor with uh, your projects that you had going on. But uh, October seemed to be quite a big month for us, and November uh, was quite big as well. I mean, um, we are looking. Our October numbers were rivaling our May numbers, so that gives you an indication that things are still pretty. Uh, pretty high on the uh, on the activity level. And, you know, when we talk about activity, we talk about numbers of units, you know, they are saying that we will probably, probably top out probably a record year this year for the number of transactions out there. But of course, we have to focus on price. A lot of people are talking about affordability. This is where you and I talk about inventory all the time. But, you know, going back to the affordability to have a conversation, the idea that the market could actually go up and keep going up you know, I, I personally would like to see it cool a little. And, and you know, I'm not that guy that wants the market to go up 10, 15% every single year. Dave, if we're looking at a healthy number, you know, I think 5%, 4%, 6% in that range, you know, slightly ahead of inflation, I think is always a positive place to be. If you were to pick a number, what would your number be? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously with inflation where it's at, I think it's, you know, it, certainly I think as Canadians, we like the number, the appreciation number be high and at least higher than inflation. I think once inflation potentially gets back to where it should be. Yeah, I mean, I think always three to 5% appreciation is is certainly uh, and fundamentally something that we would look for where we're not going to be looking at, um, you know, high volatility. We can kind of look at a healthy market. I think when you've got things going up in a straight line, I think, uh, you know, you've been around markets, any market, um, there generally needs to be some type of consolidation, some type of cooling off until that next leg up. Um, we will see. I mean, obviously, I think what we're seeing is the real estate market rivaling some of the activity and volatility of the stock market, which I think is the reason why a lot of people um, got into housing was to try to stay away from that volatility. So it will be interesting. But yeah, I think, you know, three, four, five, six percent uh, appreciation was always a good number, I believe. So Bank of Canada, of course, wants to do a little prediction, as they always do, talking about bubbles. They're saying there's only really two two markets that they're concerned about. And, you, you know, I know you've done a lot of work in the Hamilton area, and then they talk about Montreal. You know, I would have guessed a few other markets, but they're saying, yeah, some of these are, you know, hot but not overheated, but they're actually calling Hamilton and Montreal the bubble markets. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it's funny because a lot of Canadians will think, "Wow, that's it's crazy to think that Hamilton is one of the bubble markets." But you know, certainly uh, back in the day for student housing, and you know, certainly um, it seemed like, in you know, in terms of the area, there was a really good uh, opportunity to buy investment properties there. It really was, you know, I think a lot of people forget in the early two thousands the prices were quite distressed out there, and when you're looking at the prices now, it certainly can show the increase. I think the bubble word is used 
a lot very easily by uh, the media and the government in terms of simply identifying a market that has gone up quite a bit in value. I think what they forget is that potentially it could have been more distressed than others, and that's why it's had the increases it's had. So um, I always use the the bubble word kind of uh, in jest. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, you could say that the entire economy is in, in a bubble, but I, I think right now that's just the way uh, we have to work things with regards to the monetary policy and with regards to the way the government's handling things. So we always talk about cost of living, you know, and this is one of the reasons why people are so concerned about you know, increasing values on real estate. But, you know, Toronto doesn't even make the top 50 of the most expensive cities in the world. I would have said, wow, I'm shocked at that one. Tel Aviv, actually, number one, most expensive city in the world to live based on the economic uh, intelligence worldwide costs uh, index. You know, and they are saying, t- you know, Toronto doesn't even top out at number 50. Can you believe that? Um, you know, what's funny, I do right now. And I think it's funny because you and I talked about this actually when the pandemic started breaking out. One of our predictions was that the values in Toronto would actually come down. And if we remember pre-pandemic, they talked about Toronto and Vancouver being some of the highest priced cities in the world. And now to see that Toronto has fallen actually is in line with our thesis Um, that it would come back down. And if the rest of our thesis is correct, I think in the next possible two, three, four years, we could see Toronto right back up in the top 10. It would be interesting to uh, timestamp this, uh, this particular show. Yeah, definitely. Well, we will do that, Dave. This one, we're, we're going to throw it in the archives for sure. You and I can reference it. But as usual, I uh, always love having you on the show. Can you uh, tell our listeners best way to get in touch with you and your team? Certainly, they can give us a shout at one 684 8326 You can also email us. Our email address is info at bmselect.ca. Excellent. Melissa, Dave, all the best. Thanks so much for joining me uh, this week, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, Todd. Awesome. Always a pleasure. Anyways, folks, when we come back, I've got Dave Wilkes joining me. He is CEO, President of Build, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Always great to have Dave Butler join me. But my next guest joining me, he's also no stranger to my show. Uh, I try to get him on a few times a year because I think it's really important for us to talk about how the construction is done in not just the GTA, all over Ontario and Canada. Nobody knows more about this kind of thing than Dave Wilkes. He is president and CEO of BUILD, which is the Building Industry and Land Development Association. And uh, Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I'm wondering if it's a requirement that everybody, every guest has to be named Dave today, though. Well, you know, yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking, what was that show? It was like, uh, this is my brother Dave and my other, no, that's Daryl. There we go. But I'll yeah, tell you what, exactly. I don't have any more Daves, but you know what? That's okay. You're the final guest this hour and the most important one to talk about what is going on in the world of construction. You know, uh, you and I talked earlier in the year, of course, the pandemic had put a lot of stress on things such as supply, you know, a lot of the trades. Can you tell us, can you give me a quick, you know, update? How did uh, 2021 uh, come come together? Yeah, thank you very much. We don't have the final numbers uh, for 2021, Todd, but uh, we are looking at a, a, a very strong year, perhaps another record year for sales. Uh, what we've seen in the last several months is the condo market uh, has rebounded. Um, it uh, did have uh, some um, 
uh, I don't want to call it softness, but below the 10 year average uh, as we move through the pandemic and some of the traditional buyers in that, uh, that segment of the real estate market uh, had, um, uh, were not uh, purchasing, uh, so students and others. So that market is coming back really strong. Uh, we continue to see strength in the uh, single family or as we call it low rise market. But the trend that worries me the most is the inventory levels. And I know every time we speak, I, I sound a little bit like a broken record, but inventories are, are dangerously low, I'd call them. And in particular on the low rise side, where there's about a month of supply um, um, in the market right now. And, um, you know, as soon as uh, new projects are coming online, um, they're getting snapped up. So uh, we are not out of the structural problem that uh, we've talked about. Demand is still outpacing supply. And uh, we really need to, you know, I like quoting Einstein when it's appropriate and when I understand what he was saying. And this quote is one that I do understand. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome, that's the definition of insanity. We really need to look, take a hard look at the way we manage the housing market to make sure that we get out of this insane problem. So there was um, there was an article that was, is just being released actually from Build uh, new homeowner new homeowner money in the government's bank. Can you tell us what that is about and you know what are the issues that we are facing with this? Yeah, thanks again. And uh, we released this uh, study uh, this week. It's uh, we've been doing a number of studies over the course of the last couple of years, looking at. Um, opportunities to uh, address affordability in the new home market, address uh, supply constraints. Uh, we've looked at approval times, which uh, the, the GTA um, varies, of course, across municipality, but some of the slowest approval times mentioned before, it takes 10 to 11 years from a project from start to finish. Uh, we've looked at, you know, needing to define land for growth and build the infrastructure to support that growth uh, because we'll have 13.5 million people uh, in the GTA by 2041. So, you know, that's around the corner. So we got to start building for that. And this particular study builds on a, a couple of others that we've done that look at the percentage of government fees and taxes that uh, are accounted for in the cost of a new home. It's around 22 to 24% before um, you know, any new policies are put forward. And one that we're very focused on is inclusionary zoning in the city of Toronto, but we can talk about that later. What this one looked at was as those taxes, if you will, that are on the new home purchaser are collected, are they being spent as they are intended to be spent? So those taxes pay for growth impact on municipal services, highways, libraries, roads, sewer and, and water main construction, uh, community recreation facilities, um, additional need for police and paramedic services. All of that is what these fees are designed to pay for. Unfortunately, as we looked over the period of 2013 to 2019, 16 municipalities across the GTA hadn't spent that money. And there was $5 billion, B, uh, billion uh, Todd, in the bank. And we really truly believe that um, that's um, a tale of two lost opportunities. One, that money should be invested in, in uh, facilitating growth and creating better communities, not only for new homeowners, excuse me, but existing homeowners. And secondly, if that money isn't being spent, then it's inflating the taxes on new homeowners and inflating the cost. So we believe that this is a, a warning signal and uh, we're calling on municipalities either to cap their reserves 
or to lower the development charges that they're called and, and parkland charges uh, to a level that reflects that they've already got this money in the bank that they're not using. Wow. You know, and, and, and I'm glad you emphasized the B on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, a lot, it's a, a big lot of, number. Yeah, a lot of people can't wrap their, their mind around that, Dave, that, that they could have that much in reserve. And again, as you mentioned, it's not being utilized for what it, the intentions are. And, you know, I don't know if this is one of the reasons why, you know, we've got an upcoming provincial election and, you know, Doug Ford, he, he is pushing Ontario cities to speed up housing construction. Um, you know, I just don't know if that's part of his platform just to get the votes or if he's actually looking at this finally and trying to talk about, you know, construction and how we speed it up to the point where they're actually going to create a scoring system for cities and towns to take a look at how, how you know, they expedite things. Is, right. is, is this really going to create a solution or is this just a whole lot of, you know, tribe that they're throwing out there to get elected? Um it better create a solution in my mind. Uh, we uh, at Build, one of the other reports that we did, <clears throat> excuse me, Todd, was look at the uh, uh, approval time frames across the GTA. Um, for every month of delay, uh, there's additional cost incurred uh, for that project, uh, anywhere from $1.50 to $2.25 a square foot per month. So it's a lot of money when you start building it up. Those costs come into play because of... Uh, uh, financing loans that are supporting the projects, increasing material and labor costs, uh, and, uh, requirements to continue to pay tax on that land. So as that land lays fallow, to use an agriculture term, it's attracting cost. And we need to speed up the approval of that land uh, to reduce those um, uh, non-value-added costs that are uh, being incurred because of uh, uh, because of that uh, slowdown in approval. And fundamentally, we need the housing. You know, we talked about 13.5 million people being here by 2041 in the GTA. We got to get shovels in the ground to accommodate that. So, no, I believe this is a real problem. I believe there's a real opportunity for solution. And there's nothing like shining a light on the, on the problem uh, to solve it. So I'm encouraged uh, by this conversation. It's one that BUILD has been having with municipalities across the region uh, for a couple of years now and certainly shared the results of our findings uh, with the, both the province and the municipality. And we uh, welcome the effort to, uh, to look for efficiencies and look for ways to get costs lowered and houses built. And, you know, I think, we're, I think we are about to hit a tsunami of some Form with rental properties because the problem is that we don't have any and we are looking at the immigration opening up. You and I both know that they were hoping to get about 400,000 people into uh, Canada this year, but because of the border closures, they're probably going to be looking at 800,000 next year. Um, how are we going to be able to, you know, house these people? Yeah, um, that is the fundamental question. And it's not only rental housing, it's, uh, you know, building building where uh, jobs are, it's building all forms and, and types of housing uh, to accommodate uh, uh, not only newcomers to the country, but people that are, uh, you know, the intra-migration too, where people are moved, moving to the GTA from other parts of Ontario and, uh, and uh, elsewhere in the country. So, uh, you know, I've never referred to it as a tsunami that, as you do, Todd, but I think that's exactly right. And um, we've created what I believe is a man-made crisis here by taxing homes too heavy, new homes, excuse me, too heavy, uh, by not planning for growth that we need to, and by not, by tolerating an inefficient system. 
So whether it's rental or missing middle type homes or other types of homes, the problem is ubiquitous. And, uh, and, and I'm quite frankly, very concerned, you know, and, and I, we all have personal stories that reflect on how the uh, challenges in housing within the GTA affect us. I have those as well. I won't share them here, but this is a real problem. And I, I worry that at some point in time, there's going to be two impacts. One, the affordability challenge will get so great that it's going to affect the competitiveness of the region. And additionally, I worry about capital fleeing the region. If it gets too difficult to build here, if it gets too expensive to build here because we're such a high tax market, capital will flee. And I'm very proud of the work that our members do as they build communities and invest in communities and invest in philanthropic uh, efforts across the GTA. Capital doesn't have that same commitment to build here. They have the commitment to build where they can get their ROI the fastest and, and maximize that as they so should. They, and I you, really worry about that. I'm going to have you hold that thought because I do want to talk about that because I think it's an important note. Folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but when I come back, I've got Dave Wilkes, president and CEO of Build joining me and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Dave Wilkes. He is president and CEO of Build. And just before the break, we had a great discussion. We're talking about, you know, developers and how they're putting out capital and the return on their investments when they are building things. Dave, you know, great topic to actually lead into. Uh, the fact that there's a new policy to introduce more affordable housing uh, and, and what they're, I think, mandating is that builders have to be able to put so much of affordable housing when they're doing construction. You know, is that not going to take away from some of that, you know, that, that capital profit that we were discussing before the break? Yeah. So let me, uh, the, the policy that you're referring to is known as inclusionary zoning. And it was first introduced in a place called Fairfield, Virginia. Um, and it really is meant to integrate affordable housing within um, larger housing projects, right? So that, so, uh, and as an industry, it's something we certainly support. Um, where it's been done successfully, it's been done as a partnership, recognizing the societal responsibility to provide affordable housing, as opposed to in, uh, asking one sector, or one group of society to pay for that affordable housing. So what the city of Toronto has done is around major transit stations, which is the framework created by the provincial government, mandated that 7% of units within those, if they're to be equity units or sold units, be um, priced at a below market level. And unfortunately, the model that the city of Toronto has offered doesn't fit with best practices that have been introduced across North America. And we really believe uh, that this policy is going to backfire both on the city and those looking for affordable units. Yeah. So I do want to go back to affordability for a second, and I'm not going to name the developer and, you know, I'll, I'll let you weigh in on whatever part of this that you want to, but in Barrie, there was a developer builder who had been promising at a certain price pre-sell uh, a bunch of units and came back to the people that purchased and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to cancel your contract, which a lot of, you know, you and I can talk about how contracts work with builder developers, but um, he said that, uh, but he will complete it if they pay him $100,000 more. And he did cite the reason for this is because of the lack of material, the cost of material going up, uh, all the issues that COVID had brought on. So they basically said, look, you know, our costs have gone up. So the only way we can build this is if you guys pay us more because we can't do it for nothing. Um, 
And again, back to more of the contractual aspect of this, and I'm not just talking this individual developer, but there have been numerous sites that have been canceled over the years through the GTA where, you know, they either didn't get their permits, they didn't get their sales level, you know, quite a few things. Can you, can you, you know, expand on this a little for us? Yeah, I, I can't um, comment on the specific uh, uh, situation that you mentioned uh, and, uh, uh, I just haven't seen the contracts that, that those uh, purchasers uh, signed. And um, uh, so it would be um, inappropriate for me to, to go down that uh, uh, specific example. But I think there's a couple of points here, Todd, that are very important to make. Canceled projects are the, are the rare exception. Um, certainly when they are canceled, they're newsworthy. They make headlines. But 98 plus percent of all projects that are started, finish. And, uh, and so I think, you know, some context around how frequent this is. It's a rare occurrence, whether it's a condo project or, or others. There are some reasons for the projects that, uh, not to go ahead. And uh, in many cases, these are stipulated within the, uh, the contract uh, that uh, when they're sold at uh, um, pre-build stage. Uh, one, if financing isn't secured. Uh, it takes hundreds of millions of dollars in loans to, uh, uh, to uh, build these projects. If the conditions around... Uh, that financing change, whatever they may be, approval timeframes or or uh, or others, um, whether the the mar the market didn't materialize for that project, which uh, you know that the uh, there is a requirement before building start for a certain percentage of the units to be pre sold. So those are a couple of the the reasons where you will see projects canceled. And, and I emphasize to your listeners that this these are few and far between. They, as I said full awareness that they make headlines because it is affecting individuals. Uh, but in some cases, it's just that the market conditions changed or the market didn't materialize at the price point that was um, anticipated. Yeah. And and this is one of those those points, and I know it's real sticky, and I don't want you to ever put yourself you know, at risk here, but I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of do a general you know comment on it, is the fact that most people, and, 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 I, and I do emphasize this, most buyers do not take enough time to read a builder's agreement of purchase and sale cover to cover. And they aren't aware of the delays and the delay mechanisms that are there. And I do know that the bulk of builders in the GTA in Ontario are very, very good at following the letter of the law. But what I've found is that a lot of people don't realize what that contract states and they do hand it to their solicitor but the problem is the solicitor doesn't break it down for them either they don't just sit there and they they'll they'll view it they'll bring up concerns but they won't be made aware that you know you you have to take what they call interim occupancy when it if it's if it's a condominium they don't have title for it yet but technically you have to close you know there's all sorts of different aspects to this and you know one i i think the biggest message i'm hoping and you would agree is we need to get people to read what they sign you know this is this is very imperative even though it's a 50 page contract in most cases you need to understand that there are delays that can happen in this industry and if you're you know putting all your eggs in one basket it may create a problem for you in your future yeah and and i couldn't agree more todd i think that's excellent advice to your uh, to your listeners i would i would uh, commend you for that and encourage people to uh, to make sure they understand what they they're signing in in any uh, in any transaction housing obviously is just a, a very important one a very big ticket one and a very 
um, fundamental one to the way that uh, you know uh, people build their families and, and their lives. The other thing within uh, contracts is um, you know development charges that we talked about off the top, where the you know there's that five billion dollars sitting in the bank. Uh, there are clauses in there talking about if DCs go up uh, between the time of um, uh, uh, the pre-sale and the time of closing, who's responsible for those increases? So they are legal documents. They are very detailed documents. Uh, getting a good solicitor is very important. And asking questions to that solicitor around what are my responsibilities if circumstances change if costs, as I mentioned, like DCs go up, what am I as a purchaser um, uh, going to have to prepare for and have contingencies around? You know, similarly, when you buy, you know, whatever it is, make sure you understanding what you're signing. It's just a little more complex and potentially a little more consequential in the case of the housing market. And you know, Dave, I'm glad you that that gives me a good in run because I can turn around and also uh, let people know that. A lot of times these contracts are quite long with their closings, especially when we talk more of the high rise developments, you know, they couldn't be anywhere from three to five years. Um, folks, if you're doing, if you're, if you're, if you're signing a contract today, you know, make sure you have a, a fallback uh, five years from now. You don't know if you're going to be gamefully employed. You don't know if you're where your health is. You know, I always caution people when they, when they go out that far, they need to protect themselves because the builder, the way these contracts are actually written are also in the favor of the builder. If you can't close, you could lose all your deposits. So again, be mindful when going down this road. And I think, I think that's a good point for, for most, most people that are looking at these long-term closings. Yeah, and, and there are advantages when you buy in at the pre-sale level. Uh, price points are certainly more um, more favorable uh, for the, the cost of uh, the units or, or the house. Um, you are benefiting from any uh, uh, changes in prices that uh, your, the previous Dave was talking about and the inflation within the market. Um, and, uh, you know, so there, there is um, uh, advantages. It's like anything else that you, you uh, pre-purchase. A, uh, the, this economy right now is full of examples of uh, supply chain challenges. Obviously, and, and I don't want to compare furniture or cars to housing, but there are risks when you buy. And, and I think, uh, uh, once again, understanding those risks, but there are opportunities when you buy at a pre-sale level, as I've described. And, uh, and I think uh, you just have to, uh, to balance those. And I agree, it's hard to predict where you're going to be three to five years out, just both for the builder and for the purchaser. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you in the, in the new year and getting an update on how we did this year. Yeah, I look forward to that too. I can't believe it's 2022. Uh, it's, uh, time is going fast, my friend, but always a pleasure to join Excellent. Thank you so much, folks. That was Dave Wilkes, president and CEO of Build. So that's another wrap for this week. Uh, I do want to thank Dave Butler from BM Select, uh, who joins me regularly to give us an update on what is happening, not just with interest rates, but you know, a little bit more of the mental part of mortgages. And Dave Wilkes, president and CEO of Build. Good to get an update. You know, there's a lot of things that are being promised. Rather get the information straight from the people that are dealing with it. Uh, speaking of people dealing with this, I do want to thank my producer, Ian Grant, as usual, keeps it simple for me. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in, making us the number one real estate talk show. And don't forget, yeah, I will be back next week per usual Sunday at noon. 
And that's it. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.